0: Hi, my name's Clayton, and you're listening to the Isaiah 43 podcast, where we explore how God has formed us, redeemed us, and how He calls us today. Each week, we will journey through Scripture to understand all that God has done and what exactly His call is for our lives today. This is week 56, an apologetics week, where we combat the world's lies with God's truth. Now, some time ago, I was scrolling mindlessly through YouTube, I should have been more productive, but I fell in the void of doom-scrolling. One video popped up through my YouTube shorts, and for some reason I stopped to watch it. It was a clip from a popular podcast where a group of girls sit across from a guy, and sometimes a special guest, and they talk about various topics. Now, I won't say the name of the podcast because I know I have some younger listeners who do not need to be exposed to some of the other topics that they talk about on this podcast. But nevertheless, in this particular short, this young girl said that she participates in sexual promiscuity on the internet through certain apps. The man sitting across from her says he notices the cross necklace around her neck and asks if she wears it while she is engaging in those activities. She proudly says yes. And that her necklace never comes off. The guy then asks her if she's a Christian. She says yes. Then... He asked her if God would approve of the activities that she does on these sites. She pauses for a second and says yes. So naturally, the guy asks her why. And she responded by saying, because God wants me to be happy. Now I have to admit, I watched the short and I scoffed at this. I thought to myself, this girl has no idea what she's talking about. But I shouldn't have behaved like that. As the days passed by, that clip and my reaction stayed on the forefront of my mind. I asked God to forgive me for the kind of thinking like that, And, and then I started thinking about what I would say in a situation like that. If someone told me that God just wants them to be happy and they can continue to engage in any behavior that they want, how would I respond? How would you respond? Well, it turns out that a lot of people have the same kind of reaction or same kind of thought that this girl has. A quick search on YouTube of God wants me to be happy will produce endless results of videos where so-called pastors have preached messages of God just wants you to be happy. These videos at times can be up to hundreds of thousands of views. In that case, they have to be right. God just wants me to be happy and I can do whatever it is I want. But is that what Scripture teaches? To find out how we should respond to this statement, and if Scripture teaches us that God wants us to be happy, we need to pray that God tells us what He wants us to know. So let us pray. Father in heaven, we come before you today, and we ask for your mercy, Lord. We ask for your mercy because we don't deserve it. And we know our hearts... And our hearts just want us to be happy, Lord. But that's not what you want from us. Lord, you want so much more than just that. I pray today you will open our hearts that whatever it is that your scripture reveals, Lord, we will be open and receptive to it, Lord. But I also pray, Lord, that when we have reactions, Lord, to things that people say, let our hearts not be one of pride or boastfulness, Lord. Let it be of humility and let us recognize that once we were in those same shoes, and in many ways we still are. And Lord, I pray that you will speak to us and you will guide us and you will remind us that your call is that we are to take up the cross and to follow you if we want life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, here's something that I want to clear up before we get started. Yes, God loves us, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. However, God is also just and righteous. This means that He cannot allow your so called happiness to override His justice. He won't simply let the fact that you are sinning go unnoticed. He may be patient, yes. But his justice still stands, and one day it will come upon us. A true believer will understand this and seek to turn away from whatever it is they have fallen into. They will love God and seek to obey him more than they will want to desire their own lusts and passion. Will they fall short? Well, yes, of course. But does that mean they just give up the fight and do it because it brings them momentary pleasure? Well, by no means. A true believer who loves God will pursue God and fight constantly to avoid giving in to sin. They will fight day in and day out so they don't continue to fall short. Now with all that said, in today's episode we only have one passage of scripture that I really want us to focus on. Jesus never ever says or even remotely says anything close to just do whatever you want that makes you happy. That's what I really want from you. No, I think Jesus makes it clear how he feels on the subject in just a few short verses. So let us turn our attention to Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 27. We will be reading from, as always, the ESV or English Standard Version. Once again, Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 27. Then Jesus told his disciples, according to what he has done. In these few short verses, Jesus makes it abundantly clear that the happiness of his followers is not his top priority. Now, will they have joy in following him? Why, sure. But these verses are almost a smack in the face. How many times have we been on the verge of giving into sin and thinking, well, God will forgive me, so you plunge headfirst into that sin. If we're all being honest, we probably do it every single time. We are self-indulgent creatures. We never deny ourselves anything. Why would we? After all, we are all told all the time just to do what makes us happy. Jesus says something totally opposite to what we want him to say. So let's break it down verse by verse and examine what Jesus has to say. Let's start with verse 24. Then Jesus told his disciples... If anyone would come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You know, alongside John 3:16 and Philippians 4:13, this verse is probably one of the most well-known verses among self-identifying Christians. But how often do we take a moment to stop and think about what this verse actually has to say? The cross was a great burden to bear. Some estimates say that the cross would have weighed around 300 pounds or more, so that alone was a heavy burden. On top of that, crucifixion usually began with being beaten and whipped so the body would already be exhausted. Jesus tells his disciples that if they want to follow him, then they must bear their cross. But he doesn't start with that. He starts with, let him deny himself. Some have taken this to the extreme. Of course, but we don't have to take it there to get the point. Jesus says that if we want to follow him, then we have to deny ourselves. We have to deny what we want to get him. Like I said, these verses are like a slap to the face because I can see parts of my own life where I don't want to deny the things that I want in order to serve Christ faithfully. I want to save my money and spend it on things that I want. I want to save my time and waste it on things that I want to do. I'm sure that there are things that you want that you have not denied for yourself when you could have been seeking to follow Christ. This doesn't mean that we have to deny every pleasure we have if it's not a sinful one. For example, I love to read so I can buy books if I want to. I don't have to deny myself that, necessarily. However, the problem becomes when I have begun to buy too many books, and I'm not saving money or I'm not giving money for my tithes or any other God-honoring purposes because I have indulged in too much. If it takes from God, it's a problem. The other issue we run into here is that we must deny ourselves sinful pleasures. Sure, they might make us happy like the young lady that I spoke of earlier, but it goes against God's commandments in the first place, and secondly... Jesus tells us to deny ourselves. He doesn't tell his disciples that they can keep doing whatever they want and stay a follower. That's not at all what he says. When he tells his disciples this, he tells them that they are to deny their sins, their sinful past, and their sinful desires. They are a new creation now, and that old life, that's done with. Furthermore, Jesus must tell the disciples to deny themselves first before he tells them to pick up their cross For a couple of reasons. First, if you're going to pick up the cross and not deny yourself, then you're struggling for no reason. You're suffering with no hope and with nothing to gain. It's pointless. All the pain will be in vain. Why would you want to even pick up the cross if you haven't denied yourself? You have no reason to do that. Second, if you deny yourself, then your heart and mind will be more open and willing to suffer with Christ. If you ask anyone who has or had served in the special forces about boot camp, they'll tell you that the armed forces completely broke them down and built each individual into the person they wanted them to be. The same idea applies here. To become faithful followers, we have to deny ourselves. Before we can be tasked with anything as disciples, we have to be broken down in a sense. Jesus makes it clear that we have to deny ourselves and set aside the things that we are keeping that are keeping us from following after him, to take up the cross and to follow him. Several Christians throughout history have highlighted this throughout their various commentaries and sermons. One such individual is Charles Spurgeon. In his commentary on Matthew 28, verse 4 says, quote, This is the law of self sacrifice, based on the sacrifice of Christ and leading up to the complete sacrifice of the redeemed. We are not our own. We are bought with a price. To try to keep ourselves to ourselves would be acting contrary to the whole spirit of the redemption which Christ was wrought for us, and that is the last thing that any Christian should think of doing. Quote. Spurgeon, as always, highlights so well what we need to keep in mind when we read these passages. If we are truly the Christians we claim to be, Then we have been bought with a price, and we no longer exist as our own person. Our happiness, our desires, our everything is now God's. Those who have truly been born again will understand Spurgeon's words even more. They will understand that to be regenerated by God is to be filled with a happiness that is unlike anything else, and to keep this kind of joy to yourself is unacceptable. Furthermore, the happiness that the young lady told us about at the beginning of this podcast is a kind of quote-unquote happiness that people want to keep to themselves. Why would you want to share that kind of joy with anyone? It is satisfaction for a minute and then it's followed by shame and regret. It's why you see so many adult film stars stating that they completely regret ever getting into the industry. It's why when young people are caught in acts like these, They are completely embarrassed and they are ashamed. Is it really something you can be happy about if you have to hide it? On the other hand, the happiness that God gives us is a type of joy that we have nothing to be ashamed of. The Apostle Paul boldly proclaims that he is not ashamed of the gospel because it is the salvation to all who believe. If we are truly in Christ, then we have a happiness that we don't even want to keep to ourselves and nor should we. It is a satisfaction beyond anything we could possibly imagine. It is a joy that is indescribable. God wants you to be happy, but only if you're happy in Him. No other happiness will truly satisfy either you or God. Let's jump on over to the next verses. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul well, what shall a man give in return for his soul jesus continues on this topic that we've been discussing he tells us that whoever wants to save their life will lose it now what he means here is that someone may want to save their life by saving the life that they've always known sin they don't want to lose that so they do everything they can to hold on to that that could be even creating God in your own image so that you don't have to lose the sin that you're in love with. The way that God that, that God you've created can give you a pass on everything you want because you just want to be happy. However, in the end, they will lose their life. They will lose it all and they will be judged and punished for their sins that they have done as Jesus makes clear in verse 27. Yet Jesus tells us that if we lose our life, If we give up the sin that we are so in love with, then we will find life, everlasting life. A life full of true joy and happiness. Scripture records numerous times when true life is accounted only to residing in Jesus. Our old lives are done with. That means the former things that brought us happiness and pleasure don't bring us the same kind of satisfaction that they once did. Now, only Jesus can. Only the way, the truth, and the life can do that. Verse 26 asks us a very important question. Christ Christ asks us, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? What will we truly gain if we get the whole world, but have lost our souls in the process? We can have all the knowledge, all the wealth, all the power, everything in the world. But what will any of it matter if we lose our souls? I mean, think about it. Really think about it. This life is temporary. We're only here for a couple of years, and then we're dead. God judges us, and then we're either granted eternal life or we're condemned for eternity. We might want to just live it up here and enjoy our time, but what about forever? Because forever is a really, really long time. Now you may have noticed, if we get to read verse 27, or, or go over it, and there's a reason for that. You see, in verse 27, Jesus says, For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels, in the glory of his Father. And then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Jesus talks a lot about his second coming, and he tells several parables relating to his second coming that discuss repaying each according to what they have done. This follows what he had just said regarding denying yourself, picking up the cross, and losing one's life for the sake of Jesus, so we have to keep that in context here. It's often said that history is not a vacuum, nothing happens by itself. And the same goes for Scripture everything is connected. Our Lord says that he will return and everyone will be rewarded according to what they have done. If they have been faithful servants, then as Matthew 25 verse 21 says, Jesus will say, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. The only thing that these servants have done is deny themselves and take up their cross. They have repented and believed Sincerely. And to those who have been unfaithful and unrighteous, living for their own happiness, then they will be considered as the unprofitable servant, in Matthew verse, chapter 25, verse 30, and be cast out into the outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. They have done whatever it is they want to do. Anything that brought them happiness, they did it. They held back nothing. The truth is that this could be more than the poor girl I've mentioned today. Yes, she's misguided, but there's so many like her. So many people today say they're Christians. You you may be one. I know I was one at one time, but these so-called Christians aren't followers of Christ. They have not denied themselves. They haven't carried the cross. They haven't repented and believed. All they've done is justify themselves by believing that they are good people have justified themselves by saying that God just wants me to be happy. Yet Jesus says that he will repay them all for what he's done. Unfortunately, you can believe that there is a God and you can believe that you're a good person, but unless you repent, believe and deny yourself and take up your cross, then you will be rewarded with nothing but justice and total darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. John MacArthur goes and explains this verse deeper in his sermon titled, Winning by Losing. He says, quote, He's coming with his holy angels, the instruments of service and judgment. And he's going to render to every man, nobody will escape. The final accounting will be brought to bear on, each, on every individual life according to that life. That's the reckoning day, the balancing day. And God will look at works and he will say, there's a believer. I can tell by his works. It's the product of the spirit. There's an unbeliever. I can tell by his works. They're the product of the flesh. And just like Romans chapter 2, he judges by works. That's the objective criteria by which he can evaluate the subjective reality of the life. And it's a twofold judgment. And here I think it's in general. It's not specific. It's general. Luke emphasizes the shame that there will be. And Luke seems to emphasize at that particular point the judgment on the ungodly. But you can see in this the general judgment of us all. For example, the ungodly are going to come and they're going to be judged according to their works and sent to hell. And you and I, when Jesus returns, are going to have a judgment too. And we'll be rewarded according to our works. And we'll receive crowns if we've been faithful. And so we're all caught up in this. So he's saying to the crowd, you better come to Christ in essence. You better give your life away, take up your cross and follow me because there's coming a day when if you don't, you're going to be cast into judgment. And he's saying to the disciples, you better be faithful to follow the path of self-denial, cross-bearing, and loyal obedience because there's coming a time when you'll be rewarded. There is martyr room, martyr's crown too, isn't there? And so we look for judgment, end quote. In MacArthur's Insight. We see just how important it is, once again, to give up the things that we thought would bring us happiness because true happiness only comes from God. Our whole mentality needs to be radically changed. In order to receive the crowns of glory, in order to reign with Christ forever, we have to live lives that are faithful. None of this nonsense about God wanting us to be happy so we can do whatever we want. We will be judged for that. We will be judged by how we live. Scripture teaches us so. Now, I thought about ending today's episode by saying, what will your reward be? But I don't think that's how we should end it. Because if I asked you that, then it would be much easier to say, well, I'm the good and faithful servant. I will be rewarded well. But in the light of Scripture, we need to ask ourselves a deeper question. Have I denied myself and carried the cross? If I ask myself that, and I'm being honest, I know what my answer is. And I see times when I have put the cross down to chase after things that I want more. I may be the only one, but I'm willing to bet that I'm not. If God wants us to be happy, then He's already provided the only way to be truly happy, which is through His Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Any other way is unacceptable. And God does not care about that way of happiness, and He doesn't want that for you. Keep that in mind this week. And until we see each other again next Friday, may the Lord bless you and keep you. God bless.